0: Hello. Good evening. Thank you. Hello. How are you? So, you know, one of the things that they teach you in seminary about pastoring and preaching is that if you ever say hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and you don't get the response you want, you can't preach until you get the response that you do. So, one more time. Good evening. Good evening. All right. Now I can preach. Hey, my name is uh, Charlie Mayberry. I am the pastor of Dahlonega Baptist Church right up here on the hill. And, uh, you know, I I, I thought about introducing myself as saying I'm the pastor who doesn't have a name. And it's because I, I forget to introduce myself. And we don't have, like, a bulletin to hand out, and my name's not on the sign, and I haven't turned in a bio or a picture for the website. And so constantly folks who come to the church say, uh, call and say, hey, I, I want to make an appointment with that guy, but I'm embarrassed to say I don't know your pastor's name. So Charlie Mayberry, like the Andy Griffith Show. That's my name, and I'm glad to be here with you. I am so grateful to have this opportunity to come and to share God's Word with you, uh, particularly out of this text, Galatians. I love Galatians. It's one of my favorite letters of the New Testament. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you've got your Bible, I want you to open, them up, open your Bible to Galatians chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 24. And I want to talk to you tonight about, I know you guys have been talking about what freedom in Christ looks like. And I want to talk about freedom in Christ, but I want to do it in in, in relation to how the gospel of Jesus Christ interacts with our identity in Christ and how that gives us freedom in Christ. So gospel, identity, freedom, all joined together by Jesus. That's what I want to talk to you about. And one of the things I was excited about, thinking of identity. Now, this year... I'm going to tell you, I had a life-changing moment. I turned 50, okay? Not this year, actually it was last year. See, I've already forgotten, I turned 50. <laughs> so, I know it, does, it seems like ages and decades and eons ago, because it was, that I would have been in your shoes in college, but I was. And I want to tell you, and this is not a, a Keith didn't pay me any money to say this, this isn't a BCM commercial. I was back in BCM when BCM was BSU, okay? And I will tell you this, as a young man who was not raised in church, I came to faith in Christ very late in my junior year of high school. I had no biblical foundation upon which to to try to even think about being a disciple or, or have identity. And I started going to college at Well, it's Georgia Highlands College now. It was Floyd College then. And so I started going to college. And at the the BSU there, Baptist Student Union, it changed my life. It changed my life, number one, because the adults that were involved in it that cared about me. It changed my life because of the investment of the Word of God that pastors who would come and speak to us made in my life. It helped me build a foundation at a time in my life, much like yours now, where everything was kind of uncertain and it was unsure. And I was looking for everything I could to help build an identity. Then I, I left I left Floyd and I went to, uh, what's that, Shorter University. It was Shorter College then. I, I went to Shorter and same thing, same thing. BSU was a place for me to go during the week in my life when I needed the Word of God most. Now, I attended a local church. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm a pastor, so of course I love the local church. But what you have right now among you, take a look. You got a community here, guys. You got a family And you got so much in common, more in common than perhaps you ever could realize or comprehend at this stage in your life. But you have Christ at the center and you have an opportunity to grow. And so I just want to encourage you with that. That, That's not my talk. That's that's what gets me in trouble when I preach. It turns a 30-minute message into 45 because I can never land the plane on an introduction. But I wanted to share that with you a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Rome, Georgia. I grew up there, uh, served in a couple of different churches, Fifth Avenue Baptist, uh, Second Avenue Baptist in Rome, worked for a group called Youth for Christ, and eventually, God, in His ultimate wisdom and grace and mercy, and mercy on the congregation more so than me, called me to serve as senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Waycross, Georgia. So I traded the mountains for the swamp. Anybody, I, I met Warner Robbins. Braden, where you go? Warner Robbins, okay. Anybody else that far below the NAT line? Yes, sir. Where are you from? Thomasville. Thomasville, all right. I know where Thomasville is. Anybody else? I was born in Waycross. You were born in Waycross? Oh, you kidding me. Oh, I know the hospital you were born at then. <laughs> yes, sir. Originally from Sandersville. Sandersville, okay. All right. Wait, that's not the fruitcake capital of the world, is it? Or that's Claston. Sanders, they compete for it. Yes, sir? For a couple of years, I used to live in Jessup. Jessup, absolutely. And I used to live in Lutawisi, right beside it. That's the, uh, that's the road, like, going up towards Athens. You, you have not lived until you lived in a town called Lulawisi, okay? <laughs> but anyway... Last June, God gave me the blessing and the honor of having, being able to come up here and be in this great town of Dahlonega, and I serve the fine folks over at Dahlonega Baptist Church. and I'm, I'm so grateful to be there. Uh, I've got church members here tonight. Some of you have come to church there and worship with us, so don't tell them I said this, but they are I'm so blessed and happy and excited to be there, and I'll pretend like I'm not for a little bit. Anyway, all right, so let's get to the text. So Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 25. Uh, I'm not, normally I would ask you to stand, but there's not a lot of real estate here, and you're already comfortable, and you got your notes out. But in your heart, stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Paul says in verse 11, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by, uh, that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my father's. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and again returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, you might know him as Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us now is preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Four things I want to share with you from this text about how the gospel of Jesus Christ, through what it does and the impact and influence it has upon our identity how it gives us ultimately freedom in Christ to the glory of God through Jesus Christ. I don't want you to raise your hand, I just want you to think about this. But if I were to have before me a directory of your struggles, directory of the things that, that, that really, that holds you up, I don't know if you did go as far as to say it's a stumbling block, but it is something that you wrestle with on a consistent basis. How many of you would be willing to say those things tie there or find their way back to identity? I think we're all always all of us are struggling to find our identity, especially when it comes to faith. The greatest struggle I've ever had in my young adult life was trying to reconcile my identity to my faith. Because I knew who I had been, I knew who I struggled to still be, I knew who I wanted to be, who I felt God had called me to be, and I couldn't make that journey fast enough. One day, depending on how life was going or circumstance or what my choices or discipline had been, one day I may slip back and and be the old me. That me that Christ should put to death on the cross. I, I wanted to go back and revisit that life, or else Satan would remind me of it again and again and again. And usually in in seasons when I wanted to grow in my relationship with Christ, there that voice would be nagging, going, "Oh no, 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 no. They don't know the real you. They don't know what you think. They don't know what's in your heart of hearts." They don't know who you used to be. And yet all the time, God's trying to remind me of who I really am, and who he says I am, and who he died to make me to be. And so at this stage in your life, you're trying to find your career, you're trying to find your purpose, you're trying to find out who you are. For most of you, you're trying to find out how to afford dinner tonight and lunch tomorrow. That was funny. Please tell me y'all are all poor college students, okay? Come on now. I'm upset because I could only afford Taco Bell. And when I tell my kids, I, mean, I used to eat Taco Bell and Crystal every night. Now that's like a gourmet meal. It's $15 for some chalupas. I don't know. I don't know. All right, but back to the gospel. All right, number, number one, number one, number one. I'll, I'll get serious, I promise. Number one, this is not, this is not a gospel of men. This is not a gospel that is made or produced by human hands. It's not by human reason. It's not by human intellect. Paul says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is going on record to say, this gospel that I have shared with you, this gospel that I've preached to you, this gospel that has radically changed my life is not the invention of any man. I love the song... uh, I go, I go way back, but Rich Mullins. If you haven't discovered Rich Mullins' music, do yourself a favor and dive in deep, head first. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, whatever you want to do. But Rich Mullins has a song called Creed. It's a musical representation of the I see in Apostles' Creed. and In that, he's got a line in there and he's talking about the, the very truth and word of God. And he says, I did not make it. No, it is making me. It is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. That's what I think about when I read what Paul says about this gospel. It is not a gospel of men. It's a gospel of revelation. It's a gospel that was shared with him by a direct encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I would be willing to say most of us, if not all of us in this room tonight, have not had a Damascus Road experience, at least to the extent that we were knocked down onto the ground and blinded by a glorious light and we met Jesus Christ in person. And he said, hey, why are you living like you're living? That probably didn't happen. If it did talk, I'd love to hear from you later. But... If you're here tonight and you have called upon the name of Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you had an encounter with Jesus, did you not? Was that supernatural? Did He not reveal? The truth of the gospel, the love of God, did he not reveal his salvation to you in that moment where it changed you forever? That was not a gospel that was reasoned to you, that was taught to you. Don't make no mistake about it. God uses reason. He uses the teaching and preaching of others. He uses words and books and circumstances and situations to get our attention but it's to, that's where it stops and revelation takes over. He uses these things to get our attention and let, bring us to the point where we're ready to see him and to know him. And when that happens, it brings us to the second thing. If number 1, if the gospel is not a gospel of men, number 2, the gospel in and of itself is life changing. Hear that again because it's too easily said and it's so familiar, sometimes it breeds contempt. The gospel, in and of itself, folks, is life changing. I will bet my life on this you do not encounter or meet the Lord Jesus Christ and stay the same. You do not meet the Lord Jesus Christ and walk away untouched or unchanged. Paul says in verse 13, For you have heard of my former life. You want to prove to somebody that you have been radically changed by Jesus and that you have a new identity? Walk up and say, You have not heard about my former life. You don't know who I was before. Paul says, you heard about my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted God's church violently and tried to destroy it. The man who penned a majority of the New Testament text itself persecuted the church of God and violently tried to destroy it. Until he met Jesus. Until he was arrested by the gospel. The gospel in and of itself is life-changing because the gospel in and of itself is predicated on new birth. The gospel of itself goes back to Jesus' words to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Your life. As Paul would later write in the ch- letter to the church of Galatians, you, or, or actually in this Galatians book, go on, I'm, I'm jumping ahead to chapter 2, verse 20. You have been crucified in Christ. It is no longer you and I who live, it is Christ who lives in us. Amen? Amen. Just making sure you're still awake. The gospel of Jesus Christ is life-changing. Now, this next one, this next one reveals, I I believe, an intimate side of God that I hope will encourage you tonight. And I hope you will leave here tonight realizing and knowing the height, the width, the depth, and nature of his love for you. Verses 15 and 16. The gospel, or this gospel that Paul is preaching, reveals God's nature and intent. The gospel that Paul is preaching, the circumstances surrounding it, the content of it, in and of itself, reveals the nature, or at least part of the nature, it points to the nature of God and it shows his intent. I want to pause there for just a moment. Let me just say this. You want a tool to help you read Scripture better when you're doing your devotions? I mean, there's millions of them, but I want to tell you a very practical one. Always ask yourself this. What does this passage tell me about God? Whatever you're reading, what in this passage, when I walk away from it, What can it tell me about God? And the second is this. What can it tell me about me? And where I am in relation to God. And what God wants to do in and and through my life, through what I have read about God in this passage. In verse 15... Paul's given us kind of his bio, talking about his former life in verse 14. But then when he gets to verse 15, he says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace. Guys, that tells us a little bit about the nature of God. It tells us about the nature of God, and it tells us about how that nature rests upon you. Okay? Here's what it is. God sets us apart. Did you know that? God sets us apart. How many of you, when you lay down at night... Anybody have trouble trouble going to sleep because you can't turn your mind off, you can't stop worrying, you can't stop fearing and, and being troubled by tomorrow or the next day or next week or next month or next year or the rest of your life? Anybody feel that way? Good, I thought it was just me. I worry about that stuff. But here's the thing. God is not talking about super spiritual people here, super Christians that you and I could never relate to. He's talking about Paul, and although Paul is so well known, Paul would be the first to tell you, make no mistake about it, I'm chief of sinners, I've got a past, I've got a life, I used to do these terrible things, God redeemed me. Paul is just like you and I. And Paul himself says that God had set him apart. God set you apart, guys. He's called you. He's in the business of pulling you out of this world, setting you apart, making you holy, treasured, precious, his possession because he loves you. And he didn't just set you apart because the sin of your life got to a point where it caught him by surprise. And he said, man, I've got to go down there and help take care of them. They're making a mess of their life. They're wrecking it. I can't believe they're doing this. I got to save them right now. No. Paul says he set us apart before we were born. If you want to stare awake tonight, stare at the ceiling, and think about something, think about that. God set you apart to be his before you were born. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to, I'm, I'm running out of Galatians for just a moment. Go to Psalm 139. Gosh, I hope that you're familiar with Psalm 139. It is one of my absolute favorites. In Psalm 139, this idea that God has set us apart, this idea that the Scriptures reveal a bit of His nature and His intentions and His love towards us is put on full display by the psalmist in Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1, where he says this. And let this, listen, read it. But please, let this be a blessing of God over you tonight with the truth of His Word. O Lord, You have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it altogether." You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Verse 6, the understatement of all Scripture. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Anybody here tonight running from God? Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. For darkness is his light with you. Here we go, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. I'm talking about identity. I'm preaching out of identity. I'm teaching out of Galatians. But do not miss that verse if you are worried tonight about your identity, if you came in here struggling about your worth, understand this in the eyes of God, I praise you because I am fearfully, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your are God's works, your soul knows it very well. Verse 15 My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and here we go, in your book. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. The gospel reveals God's nature and intent and it shows us that we are set apart. But Paul doesn't just stop there. He says, when he who had set me apart before I was born, and, I love conjunctions, and, and who called me, who called me by his grace. Guys, God set you apart. He set you apart and ordered your days before you were even born. And in another phrase I love out of Galatians, in the fullness of time, Paul tells us, in the fullness of time, God sent his son And I believe without a shadow of a doubt, for those of you here tonight who know Jesus, in the fullness of time, God sent him to you at the right time to save you and call you out by his grace. And if you're here tonight, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, I'm not going to take for granted that you do. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus... God will call you too. He'll change your identity. Your life forever if you will let him. I don't want to lose the point I'm talking about, but I would be remiss if I did not tell you a beautiful story. There's a young lady named Amy Galloway. She's married now, but I still know her as Amy Galloway or in college Amy G. Amy Galloway, Amy G, let me... uh, Keith, do BCM, do y'all still have presidents? Who is the BCM president here? CJ! CJ. All right. I like you, CJ. And I like that he's sitting... Like, like I'm like, when I'm about to tell a story, he's literally right there, guys. All right, so here's... it. So imagine, Amy Galloway, CJ, she was... The B, that was the BSU, BSU president at Berry College, all right? She volunteered and worked with me at Rome Area Youth for Christ. She was a good friend. 11.30 at night, my phone rings. It's Amy Galloway. I answer the phone, and I can't understand a word she's saying. She is sobbing like a baby. I mean, weeping. And I'm thinking, who died? And so Amy's sitting there, and finally when I get her calmed down, she says, Charlie, I need your help. I said, what is it? She said, I'm a liar. I am a liar, and I'm a fraud, and nobody knows. I said, Amy, what are you talking about? She said, I don't know Jesus Christ. She said, I am not a Christian. I'm not saved. And I've been masquerading around because I learned what to say and how to act and who to be around and go into church. I've done all the things on the outer that you do and nobody knows the difference and they haven't stopped and bothered to ask me if I believe. I'm not saved. I'm lost. We went through the scriptures that night and had the awesome privilege of welcoming my Sister Amy Galloway into faith into the Lord Jesus Christ as the BSU president. You should have been there the next gathering when she shared that testimony. God is good. He sets us apart before birth. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves us. We are called by grace, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. We're called by, we're saved by faith through grace, or by grace through faith, or I get it backwards when I start talking. Uh, Not of our works, lest any of us should boast. It is the gift of God. We are His workmanship prepared for good works that he has, created for good works that he has prepared already ahead of time before us. Just in case I need to recap. This is not a gospel of men. This gospel is life-changing. And I told you that this gospel reveals God's nature, but I also said, that it reveals his intent. Look at the last part of this verse. It's, or Excuse me, in verse 16. Paul again says, When he who has set me apart before I was born and who, was, who has called me by his grace was pleased. Keep in mind, this, what Paul is saying next, pleased God, was pleased to reveal his Son to me. In order that, there's that phrase, in order that I might preach him to the Gentiles. It pleases God. It pleases God that you know that you're set apart. It pleases God that you know that he calls you out. By His grace, it pleases God to reveal His Son, Jesus Christ, to you through the Scriptures, through the testimony of others, through the witness of your friends, through the worship that you participate in, to the gathering of His family of faith as a church, to His general and glorious revelation in the world around you. It pleases God to reveal His Son to you, in order that, you may not go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles or go all over the world, but in order that, you may fulfill the purpose that he's calling you to. When it pleases God to reveal his son to us, it does so because it leads us down the road to him, for him to reveal our purpose. Our purpose. Do you want to know what you're going to do with the rest of your life? Stop worrying about it. Don't tell your parents I said that. They don't want you to stay in college for six years. Don't worry about it. Focus. If I could tell you anything and you not remember anything I said tonight, I would would sleep well going home tonight knowing that you got this. Focus on your identity in Christ. Make that the main thing. Hold fast and hold tight to the Scriptures. Do not neglect them. Make them a matter of first priority, even above and beyond anything else you're studying. I can't tell you how much trouble I got in as a young adult and a college student, how my life and faith and pathway got wrecked time and time again, stuck in a ditch because I wandered away from and neglected His Word set apart called by grace pleased to reveal his son towards his purpose and finally the last one i don't want to skip the scriptures but in verses 17 through 20 paul or excuse me 22 paul is sort of giving an overview of his journey to where he's like missionary but he also talks about hey look I didn't ask permission to anybody. I just started preaching out of obedience to Christ. And I didn't run off to Jerusalem to get their stamp of approval. But eventually I made my way there. I spent some time with Peter. I spent some time with James. They approved it. They signed off on it. Nobody else really knew about me. They just kind of remembered I used to kill Christians. But that was no big deal. We got over it. So he goes through that biography. And he gets to verse 23. Of the people in Judea that didn't know Paul, they remembered Saul. They were only, uh, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. The fourth point, this gospel This gospel radically redefines your nature, your identity, and your story. It radically redefines your nature, your identity, and your story. What they remembered about Paul and what they were amazed by was he was every bit his past. He was every bit of his sin. He was every bit of that life apart from Christ. But he who violently persecuted and sought to snuff out and destroy the church was now preaching faith to the ones he sought to destroy. Guys, is that not a radical turnaround? But I like this last part. Paul says, and he's not being e- egotistical, and they glorified God. And they glorified God because of me. Do you you think if Paul were here tonight and he was reading you this letter for the first time, would you sense some pride and some arrogance in that part? If he got up and said, hey guys, guess what? They glorified God because of me. No. No, I think he would say, they glorified God in spite of me. If they glorified God because of me, then here was why. Paul once was lost, but now he's found. Paul literally once was blind, but now he sees. Why? You know the song, God's Amazing Grace. As you read Galatians and as you guys continue these messages, never forget the grace of God that is bestowed upon you. Never forget that you were set apart. Never forget that you've been called. Never forget that he loves you, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made, and that he has a purpose for you. Y'all are college students. That's not. I, I was a youth pastor for, gosh, 19 years. That's not youth pastor talk. That's real world grown up adult talk. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. All you got to do is yield, surrender, get out of the way, turn it over to him and watch what he can do as this gospel changes your identity and you will enjoy freedom in Christ. It's the greatest freedom of all. I don't know how this works, but I'm a Baptist preacher, so I got to give an invitation. (laughs) I imagine y'all are going to come up and lead in worship here in just a moment. Would that be correct? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Yeah, I'm going back into youth pastor role. Bow your head and close your eyes. And I really don't want anyone looking around, not because this is a gimmick. I'm just trying to get you where you are to foster about three foot square of real estate for holy ground. I'm trying to get you to foster time alone with God in this moment, just you and him. And here's what I want to ask you. Nobody's looking. I would have never guessed my friend Amy was not a Christian until she told me. I'm so glad that she did. I didn't share this illustration earlier, but it was a few years later that my friend Amy, who is now, was now a Sister in Christ, went to seminary with me out at Southwestern Seminary. You won't know this, but you can Google it. There was a mass shooting in Fort Worth, Texas at Wedgwood Baptist Church at a CU at a poll rally. A gunman walked in and opened fire on the crowd, killing a few of the seminary students who were there, helping out with the youth. My friend Amy was on the back pew when he walked in. One of the casualties was her friend next to her. If that had been her that night, she would have been with Jesus because she was saved. I'm not manipulating you, but if you're here tonight and you know without a shadow of a doubt that you need Christ, that you don't have a relationship with him, but you'd be willing to listen, would you slip your hand up, just hold it up for a second. And for the rest of us, and by the way, if you slipped your hand up or if you didn't, if you know that's you, please don't leave here tonight. You can talk to me, you can talk to Keith, his wife, adults, any of these other leaders. But if you're here tonight, maybe your identity has been taking some some lumps lately. Maybe you've been being knocked around by this world. And all you want to do in this moment here tonight is find and enjoy freedom in Jesus Christ. Would you recommit your life to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the Savior that it points to? Would you worship in these next few moments? in spirit and truth, enjoying the freedom of our Lord. Heavenly Father, would you make this so as you do your work among your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name.